Good morning, Graceway. Today is Monday, September 30th, and this is Charles from the Morning Bible Study Teaching Team. Today we'll be continuing our journey through the Gospel of Mark with Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. This is Jesus' famous miracle of stilling the storm. I'll be reading from the NRSV, but if you want, you can follow along in any version you like. Let's begin. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This story is, well, a little weird. Jesus and the disciples take a boat trip, but the text doesn't tell us explicitly why. Jesus decides this is a great time for a nap. All of a sudden, there's a huge storm that's about to sink the boat, and yet Jesus just keeps on sleeping. Eventually, the disciples come to him and basically say, Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you care we're all about to die? Do something! To which Jesus gets up nonchalantly, as I imagine it, and has a little chat with the storm. The storm then listens to Jesus by quieting down. Jesus turns to his disciples and says, as if it was no big deal, Why were you so afraid? Don't you have a little faith? The disciples, rather understandably, we might think, are dumbfounded and ask, who on earth is this guy? And then the story just stops. The end. So, as I say, the story is a little weird. But if we look closely at it, and with the help of a good study Bible, we can see that Mark tells the story in a way that is dripping with symbolic significance and biblical allusions. If we pay attention to that fact, we can see that Mark uses the story to raise one of the central themes of his gospel, the question of who Jesus is and how people should respond to him. This question will take center stage in the next few chapters of his gospel, so we should make sure we see what Mark is doing here. Let's start by asking why Jesus and his disciples are in the boat in the first place. Listen again to the first two verses. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to the disciples, Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him in the boat, just as he was. It says just as he was, because Jesus was already in the boat. The story occurs right after Jesus tells the parable of the sower and the other parables of the kingdom. Just before Mark records those parables, He tells us that Jesus got into a boat and preached from it to the crowd on the shore. Mark told us that little detail just to set up this story. But hang on, why is Jesus preaching from a boat? The answer is, 
in a word, the crowd. The crowd is an important character in Mark. It's formed around Jesus from the beginning of the gospel, in part because Jesus have, or the crowd, the people have seen Jesus' miracles and want to be healed. But Mark emphasizes in chapter 3 that as the crowd gets bigger and bigger, it actually starts to interfere with Jesus' ministry. It presses around him so much that he can't move to new, new towns to preach in. That's why Jesus is in the boat. It gives him a way to escape the crowd. I can't resist making one more point about the boat, which seemingly is pretty insignificant. This story ends without telling us where Jesus is going. But in the next story, we realize that he's crossed the other side to the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. That's Gentile country. Jesus doesn't say long, but he does heal a demon-possessed man. That man wants to follow Jesus, but instead Jesus tells him to go and preach what God has done for him. The man then goes to the Decapolis, which is a group of ten Gentile cities, and preaches about Jesus. I think Mark includes this bit of information because he wants us to see that the man is the first missionary to the Gentiles. The gospel is already being spread among the nations. Okay, let's move on. A great storm has arisen, but Jesus keeps sleeping even though the waves are beginning to swamp the boat. That's sort of strange behavior on Jesus' part. I think you'll agree. But I think Mark mentions it because the Old Testament often uses sleep to symbolize trust in God. For example, here's uh, Psalm 5, uh, excuse me, Psalm 3, verses 5 through 6, which, by the way, I found just by looking at the notes in my study Bible. It goes like this. I lay down and sleep. I wake again, for the Lord sustains me. I am not afraid of the ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me. So the psalmist is surrounded by foes, but instead of being overwhelmed with terror, he prays and sleeps because he trusts that God will answer him and sustain him. I think Mark mentions Jesus' sleeping in order to allude to Old Testament passages just like this one. The effect is to contrast the disciples' fear with Jesus' calm trust. The story's next verses show us that Jesus has good reason to be calm. They say, Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was dead calm. What's easy to miss about this passage is that Jesus addresses the storm just like he addresses demons. For instance, in chapter 1, Jesus casts a demon out of a man in a synagogue. There, Jesus rebukes the demon by ordering it to be silent and leave the man. The demon then obeys. That's just like what happens here. Jesus rebukes the sea and orders it to be silent, and it obeys. Why is this important? Well, when Jesus casts out a demon... Mark seems to stress that it shows that Jesus has authority over demons, even though they are more powerful than humans. Mark is showing that Jesus has the same authority and power over the natural realm. It's important that Jesus stills a stormy sea, because for the Jews of Jesus' time, stormy waters represented chaotic forces that threatened the order of creation. 
The Old Testament often reassures Israel that God has power even over these waters of chaos. By calming the storm, we see that Jesus has the same power and authority. That's why the disciples respond in awe. In the Old Testament, awe is the characteristic response to a manifestation of God's power. Awestruck by Jesus' action, the disciples are left to ask themselves, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I mentioned above that Mark ends the story with this rhetorical question because he wants to pose the question to his own readers. He wants us to keep the question in mind because over the next few chapters, Jesus will perform more acts of divine power, and Mark will highlight different ways people respond to Jesus on the basis of that amazing power. How they respond reflects how they implicitly answer the disciples' rhetorical question about who Jesus is. We'll see this dynamic play out over the next couple of podcasts. But if we've followed Mark's symbolism and biblical allusions, we'll see that the answer to the disciples' question must be, someone with divine power. I want to close with a question. Why does it matter to you that Jesus has this divine power? Why does it make a difference for your life? For me, this ties to something Pastor Mark said at Graceway's annual retreat this weekend. Hope in the final coming of God's new creation is what can sustain us when it's hard to be a Christian. Jesus announces that this new creation is already occurring when he says that the kingdom of God is near, right at the beginning of the gospel. But the kingdom and the new creation are not yet completed. Still, for me, Jesus' miracles offer a foretaste of what God will do when God finally brings the kingdom in its fullness. What do you think Jesus' miracles tell us about what the kingdom of God will be like? That's it for today. Join us next time for Mark chapter 5. This is Charles, signing out.